0: Welcome to the NBA coast to coast podcast brought to you by the lines.com coming to you from the west coast Josh Lander joined by Nate Weitzer he's on the east coast and we've got a Thursday slate of hoops here for you guys with some interesting games for sure I will say we're gonna be running through best bets in this one we've also got a play a props video up for you as we do each and every weekday so go ahead and like and subscribe to that page continue to follow along with us all season and through the playoffs and into the championships we're here for it all. Uh, Also want you to head to the lines.com, use everything we have up on the site right now, and uh, including that odds finder tool that we use each and every day to make sure that we're getting the best juice back on all of these bets that we're making in the NBA this season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first NBA best bet here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was trying to get Josh to take this last night. Uh, We recorded kind of early, so we didn't have the full picture of how the Warriors might look, um, but yeah, I mean, Warriors to score a bunch of points, that game to go over with the Hawks didn't quite get into the video, but I'll try to catch the boat here, even if it's maybe a little late, but it's not a normal back-to-back for the Warriors here. They're plus two at home against a Kings team that's bad on the road, just straight up bad recently, um, and so I will take the dubs here. I, I mean, money line plus 105, plus two on the spread either way. I mean, they had eight days rest before yesterday. It was an emotional win. Yes, it will be a bit of a letdown now emotionally. um, But from a basketball standpoint, like this is a team you want to back now. That's a team that's clawing back into the playoff picture, finally has Draymond back and had a full week of practice to integrate Draymond. And you probably saw, I mean, he came off the bench after they looked pretty bad in his first game back, which had no practice leading up to it. Then they get a whole week, right, Josh? I mean, I can just picture if you're a beat writer, if you're a fly on the wall, and be like, Draymond doing really well with the second unit in practice, like inspiring competition and, and getting everybody back to that state, that they, they the championship state they were in. And then they just continue with that by bringing him off the bench at the second unit. And they just blow the doors off a, a shorthanded Hawks team granted but i mean back-to-backs are not necessarily the problem for the dubs right i mean they've actually won three straight back-to-backs including the last two which were home and home uh they're five and two on the season in this situation steph has been lights out on back-to-backs actually higher usage more points per game so we gonna look at him and player props you can same game parlay him here uh against the king's team that he has torched of course they were 10-1 and one against the Kings prior to uh, a loss in November in the regular season. They kind of fell apart in the second half there, but you should be encouraged by what the job Draymond did on Demontis Sabonis, like holding him to like nine points and Dubs out-rebounding the Kings. And recently, yeah, I said the Kings have been flat-out bad. The biggest stat here is in their last eight overall, they have the worst three-point defense in the league. And now you go into Golden State against a revitalized, rested team, team that's showcasing depth now to a degree now that Wiggins has woken from his coma and Draymond is back from his suspension. And we're talking about a King's team that doesn't have a quality road win since November 24th at Minnesota. Like uh, honestly, they they had four road wins against bottom teams. They got crushed by the Embiidless Sixers, gave up 143 points in Milwaukee and then blew a 22 point lead in Phoenix uh, against a full strength Phoenix team. They beat Phoenix, you know, with just Booker out there prior. So I'm just willing to take the Dubs here to to put it make it back to back wins. Yeah, I mean, be be honest with me.
0: Are you trying to retain some of the like dominance that the Dubs had because of how much we could rely on them in times of, of betting, and you don't want that to go away? Or do you no. really believe that this team still has
1: enough in it? I I believe that this is a spot to ride for at least a game or two here, just based on the okay. massive rest advantage they have against other teams and, and continuity. And yes, there's still a bit of an emotional lift um, yeah. from, from that, the tribute last night.
0: Agree. Cause it's, cause it is still at home. If you want to yeah. look at that angle, um, which is partly to be honest with you, just to reveal even more behind the curtains of, of what we were talking about yesterday, I didn't really want to get on the bandwagon of like, yeah, this is probably a win because of an emotional game. And I just didn't even really want to touch that, you know? So we, we kind of stayed away from it. Yeah. It, it will carry over more than it, I think it will dissipate tonight in this one at home again, because it's at, at home. I am not going to fight you on it because of how awful the Kings are on the road. There have been a number of times this season where you go, okay, well the dubs should dub here. They should be the dubs here and they don't. Um, but this is, I I think the differences are yes Draymond is back and that say what you want that seems to be a good thing at this point he seems to be in a in a better spot with the team at least and then Andrew Wiggins like you said that was the main thing that I was going to talk about as well is like the coma that he was in yes i mean sleepwalking is is being kind because he was sort of just sleeping honestly still in bed uh and and he's not necessarily like sprung out and become the dude he was in the playoffs where he was the second best player in the finals after Steph like of any team he was, and then he, and just fell back into his hole. Like, I'm not saying he's going to get all the way back there, but he, he's going to be better than he's been. And I would agree with that. And I, I would uh, consider his points profit 12 and a half as well, which I am. Um, but for uh, my first bet, before I come back to talking about the Dubs with you again, at some point in this video uh, I, or the next one, anyway, uh, I'll talk about the Philly game where they're taking on the Pacers. And first of all, I'm not sure why they're only five and a half point favorites without Tyrese Halliburton in for the Pacers. Um, without Tyrese, like everything is just different for this team. But I am gonna focus in, on this bet uh, at least on Philly over 121 and a half points. And I do think that this this game at five and a half, even four and a half, I think is still available in some spots. Like I, I, I think this is a good. That's a really good bet for Philly because it's probably gonna be a game around five to ten points for in Philly's favor for most of the game is what I would project. And then somewhere th- towards the end, there's just six free throws in the last minute and a half for Joel right and then that, this game gets pulled away to about an 8-9 points. So I like that as well if you want to hit it, but the 121 and a half for this team is like they're they're playing the Pacers. I know the pace is going to go down without Halliburton in, but the, the 76ers don't need pace. They didn't rely on like running up and down the floor with teams to score. They rely on Joel Embiid's sweet sweet 15-foot jumper that is unguardable combined with his 11 free throw attempts, et cetera, right? Man's averaging 36 points a game. That's why his prop is at 36 and a half. And to be honest, He's gone over this in four of his last six versus this team because he just takes uh, Miles Turner and crumples him into a little ball and throws him away and then dunks it each time, right? So he's going to have that at his, at, in his arsenal, that the points in the paint are always what you come back to when, you, when you're talking about why you want to fade Indiana. Um, the the uh, 76ers here, yeah, they're on the road, and yeah, they, they do score a ton in everywhere that they are, to be honest. It doesn't really matter. Um, but even on the road, they've gone over in six of their last 10, and the only unders were Orlando twice, Miami Chicago, and then that weird uh, Charlotte game where they won by like nine points and slept walk through the entire thing uh, and won like 96 to 87. Tell me they were trying in that game. Um, but in this one, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more trying. You still got a team in the Pacers that's, you know, four games above 500. They're not necessarily breathing down the Sixers neck, but I mean, look, Joel, whether you want to say he's going for the MVP or not, because he needs to play almost all of the rest of his games. And that's kind of annoying and unfortunate. I would say he's still just going to make you regret uh, having that as your the the cap this year. Right. For being able to win the award of MVP. He's going to make people regret putting that, that that rule in because he's going to say, like, look at how much I'm scoring. And so I played 60, you know, four games and I can't win the MVP. So I expect him to like when he's in continue to go. I don't think there's any like let down for him or any reason that he would try harder in a different game versus this one. So, with the way that their their offensive rating is up above 131 when they're playing this Pacers team over the last four games because Joel can go in, he can go out. Toby Harris is uh questionable uh, in this one and I'm not I don't think he was that shoot around so it's not guaranteed that he's going to play. He's probably leaning towards doubtful. Uh and I still think that with Joel in there it's fine to to go over 121 and a half versus the Pacers.
1: Yeah, I like this because, I, I mean, I was considering it because they, they lost in the in-season tournament last time they saw the Pacers. And, you know, what did we see other teams get their revenge after Halliburton just danced on them, basically, right? 132-126 win, he was just, like, strutting up and down the court, hitting threes. And then you come back and you get to face the Pacers without their engine. And so, yeah, it's probably a win for the Sixers, who, by the way, have covered in eight straight regular season games against the Pacers before that. Um, they, they're not, not necessarily counting that as a regular season game, but in this normal spot with the Pacers still trying to figure some stuff out without Hallie, Um Yeah, I'll take it. And, you know, continue with the theme here, riding, riding the wave. I'll take the Wolves again, who barely covered. Maybe you got a, you got an 11 there and you got backdoored at the last second from a bad beat three, but they covered 10 and a half last night in Washington. And now they're on a back-to-back in Brooklyn. I'll still take the minus four. Um, I just, you know, continuing to ride the wave of Chris Finch calling his team out and, and cat, you know, owning the fact that he cost them a game against the bottom feeding Charlotte Hornets by, by chasing a 70 point game. I mean, we, we pretty much fixed it next time out against Washington. Instead of ant having a 15% usage rate, he had a 45% usage rate. Cat still got his, but you know, it's, it's as the, the, the number two option. It's like, even if you're hot, this is still Ant's team, right? I mean, you got you got to flow through him. They were able to to clamp down, like like we hoped. Um, you know, use that defense to get a win. And d- despite the fact that the shot just nine for thirty two from three against a poor Wizards defense, they they just won the field goal attempt game, the possessions game, forced a bunch of turnovers. And when you look at at Brooklyn, it's just like they don't do anything particularly well on offense. So as long as you can you can be disciplined and clamp down you can pull away and win. Like they've been so bad down the stretch of games recently. I mean, some of them were on the road, like collapsing against the Clippers, but their last six home games in the second half, they have the worst defensive rating in the NBA 131. They are negative 16.5 net. That's just in the second half. The wolves last six road games in the second half, they have the fourth best defensive rating and they're plus seven and a half. Uh, So I, I think we could see a similar situation where even if they're not bringing it immediately on a back to back, uh, they can clamp down, down the stretch and, and get this dub. I mean, the Nets have the 10th worst record against the spread as home dogs. They're 4-17-1 against the spread overall since December 11th. 4-12 and against the spread against the West Superior Conference. The the, the Wolves have a good 10-6 and record against the East. And they tend to just win as favorites. 26-7, and 12-3 as road favorites. Average margin of victories, 8.5 points. Um, and yeah, I went through what they do after a loss they've covered in four of the last five. Now, if, if you count that as a cover against Washington and it's sort of, you know, a short travel spot. So just continue that, you know, let's continue to bounce back from our back-to-back losses and, um, and what our coach said about it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I hear you on, on all that. Yeah. The, the, I have nothing wrong with that because I also am just like, this is, too small against this, this Brooklyn Nets team. So uh, yeah, uh, no love for the Nets and you won't hear me say anything. I'm just going to parlay the two bets we've been talking about uh, and, and put their money lines together for the Wolves and the Sixers. You still get plus 150 for both those teams to win because they're, they're, they're both smaller spreads than they should be, to be honest. And, and maybe we're, we're missing something about, you know, the, the rah-rah nature, maybe the back-to-back. I, I don't think it'll really hurt the, the Timberwolves who've only lost to two teams that are potentially as good as them and one of them definitely better in the Celtics right on that back-to-back and then the Suns when they're at full strength right yeah that's not a fun team to deal with either so I yeah I, I hear everything you're saying on that and I'm with it so that's why I'm just gonna put them together for the the 76ers like I really talked about their scoring but I also just left out a little bit of the Pacers not ability to score their lack of, of ability to do so without Tyrese Halliburton I don't know like how you insert Pascal Siakam without Halliburton now and think that that's going to work very well I'm I'm truly nervous about that now Nembar is going to come in and do fine as as far as like running this offense and really it's been TJ McConnell running this offense in the absence of Halliburton it's it's wild to watch him play those like starter minutes uh when when Halliburton's out and and he'll probably continue to do that in a good good you know, obviously he knows the 76ers uh pretty well from his days playing with them but uh at this point like I, I, there's not much there the, they score 115 points a game without him which doesn't sound like that bad it's better than a lot of other teams offenses but it's not 127 points per game which is what they rely on uh when Halliburton's in the game right so that's that's a huge part of this is like I I see this game right around 123 124 for Philly 115 at the at max for for the 76ers I do think they'll hang with them maybe there's something with like the 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 Philly coming um, excuse me the the Pacers coming out strong in like the first quarter as like a stars out bets you know big big time energy up kind of thing for them and then the Joel just comes back and is like, you don't have an answer for me. I would maybe consider points for him in the first quarter as well as he's just the sort of stimmier of the, uh, when things go wrong, there's just like the other team surging. He's like, okay, well, I'm in a guaranteed bucket. So let me just go ahead and slow down this, this momentum for you. And that's a big reason why like them to be able to score them to be able to just limit what the Pacers do. There's not going to be that, that momentum for them. And then just on the other side for the, for Minnesota, just to add a little bit to what you were saying, Um, yeah, I I like the the Minnesota on the, on the road as, uh, the favorite here, like still pretty good situation for them. Plus like if you're the, the nets and you're really relying on that ISO ball, this is not the defense to do that again with the individual defenders that they have. And the fact that once you do get into the lane, you're not going to be able to just throw lobs to Nick Claxton. And that's a huge part of this is that like when they do get into the, uh, get inside the three point line. If you're not Cam Thomas and you are actually looking for a potential pass, that has been there for Brooklyn because they have really versatile dudes who can come in from the three-point line and out and are really dangerous around the rim, even like a Cam Johnson who's there available for a lot. But not. that's just not a play that you're going to get inside of five feet against this T-Wolves team. And if, if they're going to be relying on jump shots consistently, then that's not what I would feel good about for the Brooklyn Nets. And, uh, and I'll take the T-Wolves to win again.
1: Yeah, Cam Johnson is questionable. I don't think I mentioned with, with the shoulder, right? I mean, that, if he's out, yeah, that's another... Weapon. I don't think we trust Mikel Bridges to follow up on his random spike game against a much better defensive team. Now, uh, I mean, the Sixers. Yeah, I don't think you worry about that leg at all. They've won 16 of their last 18 with Joel Embiid. The most recent loss was against the new new look Knicks, who just you know, rolled them off the floor. They were just Weird. not ready for that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. with Embiid out there, he he is the MVP if he if he plays enough games. So like, yeah, he's he's an unstoppable force, and he's crushed these Pacers, and it's a revenge spot. No worries about that. Uh, Hopefully the wolves bring it on a back-to-back it's, it's much less travel than their last few back-to-back situations where they had to come home or fly out to LA or something, you know, this one, just, just Washington to Brooklyn. You could almost take an Amtrak. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll be ready to go.
0: Absolutely. Nate, let's go ahead and get right into your first NBA play a prop for tonight. Talking about Mr. Wardell Curry.
1: Yeah. Steph Curry over 32 and a half points and assists, or if you want a better uh, you know, better odds over five and a half assists. I think we both trust that he will be able to dime up here on a back to back. And you can you can use this in the same game parlay. If you want to go twenty five and five for Steph, um, you can stay under that number along with the Warriors win. Good plus money there because I, I trust them on a back to back here because they're coming off eight days rest. You know, we go over all that in the best bets. Don't trust the Kings on the road. It's a rivalry game. They should stay up for it. And Stephen six back-to-backs this season has had a huge usage spike. It's like everybody else on the Warriors can't bring it, but he, you know, maybe the most fit guy in the NBA in terms of how much he can run around. 35% usage, 29 points per game. If you believe they're going to win, he averages 30 points per game and wins. at 70% true shooting versus 23 points per game on way worse shooting. In losses, uh, CP3 still out, right? I mean, and, and he's had six plus assists in 10 of his last 11 without CP3 in the lineup. He's had 13 potential assists in his last three games. He has the second highest adjusted assist to pass ratio among volume passers in the league in those three. And, you know, his numbers are going to go up across the board with Draymond in there, even if Draymond's playing some with the second unit. Steph averages 29 points, 5.2 assists in 16 with Dre this season. The Kings, while, while their defense is better on the road, like I'm not buying that. I think it's mostly just strength of schedule and just playing a lot of gross matchups where their offense is worse and they just claw to, to stay in it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they, they still are a, a terrible three-point defense right now. Worst three-point percentage allowed in their last eight. They've allowed the 10th uh, most assists to point guards on the season and they allowed 32 assists in their last three before they got came home and beat the Hawks. Uh, so I think Steph will will burn them multiple ways here. Yeah,
0: I, I like it a lot. Um, I love the assists. I, I All over that, I think there's just such a clear correlation between CP3 not being on the floor and Steph getting assists. I don't think it. It's numbers. <laughs> there's numbers that say when CP not here, Steph gets seven and a half assists per game, right? And so when CP's on the floor, you can subtract about a full assist and a half for Steph on the season, first of all, this year. Second of all, the potential assists are massive. Yeah, it's a humongous difference as well. You mentioned the 13 uh, over the, the last, uh, however many, what, like the last three that he's got, the 13 potential assists. Plus, if you, you want to extrapolate it back even further to uh, what, the moment that CP3 hasn't been on the floor, I think that's about five or six games ago now, even better, just as good, even when they were getting blown out and and he was on the floor for 28 minutes, he got six assists against like the Pelicans and the, the Raptors. Like, Like I said, like without those even being real games. So now you get a situation too, where by the way, Mike Brown, if you watch the Kings defense, it's like, get the, it's blitz Steph. It's just blitz him, blitz him, blitz him. It's if we have to throw three guys at him, he's not allowed to score. He doesn't trust guys like Wiggins and clay which might be to his demise because i like wiggins over 12 and a half points tonight he's been hovering around 12 and 13 points in this exact situation no chris paul more minutes loves playing the kings destroys them by the way eight of his last 10 seven of his last eight however you want to look at it he's gone over versus the uh the king so there's a little bonus bet for andrew wiggins because i didn't throw him on here but uh, i do like him to score a lot more tonight in the 30 minutes or so that he should see king's killer he is the slayer Daniel Gafford under 17 and a half points and rebounds. That's my first bet. I wanted to do it last night and I chicken chickened out uh, in, in, was it last night or the last game that he played when we were last talking about this? Yeah. Um, last night against the wolves. Was, right. against the T wolves. Exactly. Thank you. And now we get him in another matchup where like, We'll see a bit of Walker Kessler, but even if we don't, I don't like Daniel Gafford to get his, his rebounds and points. I I definitely don't think he'll do both of them. Uh, The the points he's gone over against a few different teams, but they were very bad defensive teams. Um, And now he's talking about, we're talking about Utah with who limits centers to the fourth uh, fewest rebounds per game on the season. They are also in like the top 15, at least in, in limiting centers points, but like, are you really worried about the Daniel Gafford points? It's going to either come off of assists or it's going to come off of, um, you know, uh, second chance points. And you're not going to get a lot of that uh, down low versus uh, the, the jazz who definitely have a bit more of a, a collapse defense um, and, and their guards come down and collapse a lot is a big part of it. So they are not as good against the three point shot. Um, Daniel Gafford will not be attempting any three-point shots, so I'm not worried about that for him. Uh, when you talk about down low as well, like I'm saying, even though Walker Kessler's minutes are, are down, the Jazz are still in the top five in terms of defensive field goal percentage inside of five feet, top six, if you will. Uh, without Kessler getting the minutes that he's gotten at times, and his minutes vary, right? When when they need a presence down low, Walker Kessler will get 30 minutes. And if there's any semblance of down low work going on for the Wizards, then yeah, we'll have to see more of him. But I don't even know that his presence is fully required to limit Daniel Gafford from getting this. Uh, The dude for for a center, he has a decent amount of rebound chances per game, roughly around like 12, 11 chances. And still only at like five and a half rebounds because he's just not a great rebounder. Plus, he goes up for those uh, those blocks all the time that really limit his rebounding because he's got so many block attempts that then it's just like the the play is now behind him. Right. So, yeah, I'll go under for him before I, I, I kick myself again for not going unders.
1: Yeah. I mean, despite the over the, the huge total for this game, I think you can take some unders for wizards players on a back to back. I mean, they've been limiting the starters minutes in general, like rotating guys in who knows what they're doing in terms of showcasing for the trade deadline and what they want to do next. So yeah, for if Gafford starts and his numbers inflated because he's a starter, it, it doesn't really matter. Like he could only play like 25 minutes here and and not sniff these props. So uh, on the other side of the ball, I, I'm gonna I'm not mad about it. I'm gonna keep going back to Colin Sexton, and I granted we were kind of lucky to get 22 points from him in 24 minutes because they got blowed out in New Orleans two nights ago. I mean now they should be doing the hurting here on Washington with the Whiz on a back to back, and we were talking about Sexton's minutes going up. So I'll take the whole package here over 31 and a half PRA because yeah, I mean he's probably looking at 34 plus minutes. If this game stays moderately close, Um, he he played 34 and 40 in his last two before this blowout loss. He had become clearly a bigger part of the jazz offense, a jazz offense that was taken off since he became a bigger part of it. He has five plus a six in six straight games. He has 11.5 potential assists per game in his last four. And of course we know the scoring 27 points a game on 30% usage in those six games despite playing 28 minutes. So if he gets more minutes, that's more everything, including four rebounds per 36 minutes. And then you get the Wizards, who are the worst home defense in in NBA history, maybe, Josh threw out there. I mean, they've been playing a little bit better lately, but still fastest pace in the league. They allow the most assists per game to both point guards and shooting guards, so it doesn't matter where you slot Sexton. They allow 32 assists and 126 points on back-to-backs. And they're giving up a ton of points to shooting guards in their last seven, 26 points per game. So I have a hard time imagining Sexton cools off in this one.
0: Yeah, I think he just is. Yes, all of it. Uh, Colin, Michael Jordan, Sexton, as I've, I've been known to be a little bit hyperbolic lately, I guess. I'm calling the Wizards the worst home offense of all time. I'm standing by that one, and I'm standing by Colin Michael Jordan Sexton until he gets the respect he deserves because this is not a fluke. This is him getting a chance in an offense with a really good coach for the first time ever. Look at the coaches that dude's had. He's never been in a good spot ever. like talking yeah, anyway, move moving past that for now. Uh, I, I'm totally on board with that. I love the assist for him as well. Is that still at four and a half because they they've been keeping it there. Uh, And that's what I love about uh, it's at five and a half. Now they finally lifted it up a little bit, but yeah, the potential assists are still there for him. uh, And I think that they'll be here tonight. Chris Dunn keeps kind of stepping in. So maybe that isn't the play because Chris Dunn does come in and gobble up some of those, those assists when he's on the floor, but he's not taken away from Sexton's points. So follow Nate on this one. He's done more research into it. I'm just blindly loving Colin Sexton. Uh, I'm going to talk about an under to finish here though, for another center. That's the theme of my uh, player props here although I did take a Wiggins over, I'm officially saying you guys should definitely hit 12 and a half points over for for Wiggins. I'm on that one. Um, But the Nick Claxton, I'm going points and assists and you had to do a little bit of digging to understand why I'm randomly just throwing assists in there, but it's because he's at one and a half assists on his prop and 11 and a half points. And I get it at 14 and a half points in assists combined. So I feel like I'm getting a little bonus extra there for the under uh, when I take those combined. And I'm certainly not worried about Nick Claxton all of a sudden diming up down there. Um, and it just is all high for a, a game against a really good team down low with Rudy Gobert and even, you know, and McDaniels. And even to a degree um, when you're talking about um, Jesus cat actually has played pretty well on defense, to be honest with you. I know we like to trash him and Jay Randall, but like they've both been doing all right down low this year and we should give them their flowers. Uh, And that's a big reason why they're limiting so much down low for both power forwards and centers. Um, And and we are getting a bit of an inflated line to a degree, believe it or not. Like maybe there's a belief that, First of all, that line for Minnesota, as we talk about in best bets, is probably a little small. So right there, there's like an overvalue of, of Brooklyn, who every now and again comes in and surprises you, like when they smacked the Lakers the other day. So like, let's not just like, no one's calling this a lock, but I do think we still like the Timberwolves to continue their their run of, of momentum after Chris Finch yelled at them. Uh, the seven of the last 10 that um, Mr. Nick Claxton here has gone uh, over, those are all against very bad teams. The three teams that he's failed to go uh, over against in this number but Miami, the Pellies and the Clippers, uh, and Miami and the Clippers are both in the top five at limiting centers. New Orleans is in the top ten when it comes to both points and rebounds combined um he's gone under this number in four or five when he's played Rudy. that includes two on the the jazz and the only over was when Rudy was on the jazz in a much faster paced game than I think we'll see in this game with a two seventeen and a half total at this point uh and both games with Brooklyn just you know under uh or, or, yeah both games where Rudy was Minnesota rather under. The other thing is, like, he needs you to pass him the ball. He needs to get it fed to him around the rim. That's why I talked about liking the Wolves in a money line parlay that I have with the Sixers today. um, Because I don't think that blob is going to be there. I know it's not. The defensive field goal percentage for Rudy and them is too high. You're not going to pull Rudy far enough away from the basket for him to, like, care by anybody else besides Nick Claxton. I don't think Rudy's stepping out to, to to make sure that camp Johnson doesn't get a a, a wide open 17 footer. Like he's going to continue to be pulling right. Same concept for McHale, who's actually been pretty good going to the rim. So if anything, you definitely want to make sure that you're around to help uh, when McHale comes. And obviously that would be where you would, you would get worried about Nick Claxton starting to get his points. But if he's not getting assisted field goals, then he's done. He scores 70% of his, his uh, points off of that. He's only getting to the free throw line, like two times a game. Uh, And the, the, um, the T wolves here are limiting third, uh, points in the paint and assists, everything down low, right? That, that lob play isn't there against Rudy Gobert, especially. So with with that, not at his disposal, I'm going to go under for the points and just tack on the assist because I get a nice little bonus, at least half assist there to go under.
1: Yeah. It's been pretty clear that he doesn't score double digits against teams that are really good against centers. Like he might, he might grab a ton of boards here, but, but I don't think a double, double, is going to happen for Claxton uh, and they're not going to dime up against a Wolves defense that's good everywhere. Um, So if you can get a market on no double-double for Claxton, uh, which, I mean, basically is to just say under 10 10 points. I mean, uh, same bet basically, but I think there's two ways to cash it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just don't see him having a very good game against Gobert.
0: Yeah, I can't see them giving us that no on a
1: double-double anywhere. But if you find at it, Rivers, I believe, At Rivers does have it, but they, they sometimes have Yeah. They usually have the, the no on the double-double? They usually have markets that you can't find other
0: places. But okay. uh, Yeah. We, we scrapped the limits. <laughs> yep, no worries. Anyway, uh, that is all the time that we have for you. This one, go ahead and subscribe to that page because we also have a video with best bets up for you guys as well. Until we see you next, happy Don't betting. Say,